we're on the subject of blessing. Been on the same subject for a year, and I really believe we'll make it to the end of December. We've talked a lot about it, haven't we? And uh, we've got into some specific things about blessing. God wants to bless his people. He wants you to be used as a vessel to bless others. And we specifically have been talking about some things. And um, today we're going to go ahead and we just started last week. And I'd like to get through this because at the end of the service, we have five people that are going to be water baptized. And we'll, you know, if you can't stay for that, that's fine. You're more than welcome to leave. But if you want to, we welcome you to go over with us. And we're going to baptize five people. Amen. Now, we're going to go on talking about blessing those that have harmed you, offended you, maybe blessing those that you would consider being an enemy. And there's four ways that we can do this. The first one we looked at last week, and this is what you and I need to do, and I, it isn't easy. Anybody here ever have an enemy? I won't even ask you if you got an enemy now. You know there's always going to be people that aren't going to like you. Not everybody's liked me. Not everybody liked that lawyer in the back row. It's just, it's just human nature. Not everybody is going to like certain car salesmen. I'll get you back. I don't know how why they wouldn't love you. But you're going to have an opportunity for people to be offended with you. They're going to say things. How many have ever had, raise your hands on this, and that somebody has said something about you that's not true? Yeah, every hand. Well, how are you going to respond to that? Well, there's four ways. The first one is to speak well. Everyone say speak well. Speak well of your enemies. And you, you, you can't just project a thought. I'll think well of them. No, you need to verbalize it, okay? Joseph in the Bible was a perfect example that used his tongue and blessed his brothers that had used him, sold him into slavery, and it all worked out. But what did Joseph receive? What kind of blessing did he get? Double portion blessing. How many of you would like to have a double portion blessing? Sure. Now, this second one, I'm going to read it to you. You don't need to turn there, but I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified. And this is something you've probably done and, and I've done. The next thing you need to do is pray for your enemies. Everyone say pray. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 27, it says, But I say to you who are listening now to me, in order to heed, make it a practice to love your enemies, treat well, do good to, act nobly toward those who detest you, and pursue you with hatred. Now listen, verse 28, Invoke blessings upon and pray for the happiness of those who curse you. How come I get no, no amens? Invoke blessings upon and pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Implore God's blessing, his favor upon those who abuse you, who revile, reproach, disparage, and high-handedly misuse you. Amen? Now, that's in the Bible. That's Scripture. 
We're talking about what Jesus Christ has told us to do. Look at it. Here's an example. Look at, I'll have you turn there. Look at Psalm 35. Psalm 35. Here's an example of King David. Did he have enemies? He sure did. In Psalm 35 and verse 11, this is in reference to David's enemy or enemies, plural. And what did David do? In verse 11, it says, Fierce witnesses rise up. They ask me things that I do not know. They reward me evil for good to the sorrow of my soul. But as for me, when they were what? Sick. My clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer would return to my own heart. I paced about as though he were my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one who mourns for his mother. Do you see that? How David responded? Okay. How about Jesus in Luke 23 and 24? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. All right? How about, look at one more. Look at Acts 7. Acts chapter 7. Do you remember Stephen, the first martyr of the church in verse 60? Remember they were stoning him. And as they were stoning Stephen, in verse uh, 59, they stoned Stephen. And as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So there, there's scriptural examples there. But how do you respond? Giving them the universal sign? Saying something something abusive? I want to read to you what uh, the author, and this is a wonderful book, and I don't know if we've got I don't think we have any copies of this. This is called The Forgotten Blessing. But I want to read to you because this author gives you a sample or a, a prayer that you can pray for your enemy. Lord, today I bring to you so-and-so in prayer who has done one or more of the following to me. Number one, verbally cursed and abused me. Number two, betrayed me, despitefully used me, falsely accused me, stolen my goods, physically or sexually abused me. First of all, Lord, I forgive and release this person from any feelings of revenge, hatred, or anger within me. Now I bless this person, and I ask you to bless him or her. Bless his life with riches and honor. Bless his home with kindness, joy, and love. Bless him with healing and wholeness. Bless him with integrity and wisdom. Bless the good works of his hands. Bless his mind, will, and emotions with the peace of God. Bless him with the desire to follow follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you will bless him with the blessings of Ephraim and Manasseh, that he would forget the pain of his past and be fruitful in his future. I pray that you will bless him and keep 
in him and cause your face to shine upon him and be gracious to him and give him peace. And I pray that your strong name will be upon him. Amen. That fits every one of us. Now, you might not fit some of the categories that I mentioned, but every one of us has had an enemy. Every one of us might have a coworker or a neighbor that's a jerk. Amen? But you'll have an opportunity to either curse, use your tongue to curse that individual or individuals, or to bless them. And, the, and Jesus Christ has told us what we need to do. Is he our example? Are we to walk like him, talk like him, act like him? Well, he forgave, and you and I need to forgive. Amen? Look at Romans 12. I don't know about to you, but if anything today, if you don't get anything of what I say to you, I want you to leave today, and this is what I want you to reflect upon all week. Is Jesus Christ really the Lord of all? And I, I don't want you to get under condemnation, but you do need to examine your heart. Romans chapter 12 The third thing, there's four. There's not 18. There's only four. So don't check out on me. Romans 12 and verse 20. You might might not believe what I'm about to tell you, but it's in the word. Prepare a meal for your enemies. I mean, you don't have to fix a, a full banquet, but you might bake them some cookies. You might make them a dinner. The Bible says, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, what? Feed him. If he's thirsty, what? Give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's examples in in the Old Testament where, you know, uh, kings, they go to battle and, and one side wins, and then the enemy is brought in. And, and uh, in fact, it's in Second Kings chapter 6, and the servant of the Lord, you know, basically is wanting to do something else other than feed him, and the king says, no, feed him. Take care of him and send him on their way. So it's in the Bible. So you're going to have to ask the Spirit of God, maybe there's something that you can do for an individual right now that hates you, that is spoken, you know, against you, maybe you can do something for them. The final one is show kindness and mercy to your enemies. This would be good for all of you to be taking notes because you'll be discussing this in home home fellowship here. How many are there? There are four very simple things to remember. Show kindness and mercy, okay? Look at Jonah. Jonah, right towards the end of the Old Testament, right after Amos, you'll find Jonah. What was Jonah? He was a preacher. Was he called by God to give a certain message to a certain group of people, the Ninevites? 
Was he obedient? No. How'd you like to be swallowed by a whale, Nate? He'd spit you out. Yeah. Hopefully. But he was disobedient, Jonah. Now, the Ninevites were heathen enemies of the Jews. They hated the Jews. The Jews hated them. They wanted nothing to do with each other. And Jonah did not want to preach a message of deliverance and salvation to this group of people. So in Jonah chapter 3, let's look at this and look at uh, verse 10. We can't read it all for the sake of time. Did he finally repent, Jonah? Yeah, he sure did. But even after he repented and he preached the message, he still had some issues. (laughs) It says in verse 10, it says, Then God saw their works, or the Ninevites, the people that he preached to, that they turned away from their, or they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said, and he would bring, that he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. That's good, isn't it? But look at verse, chapter 4, verse 1. But it what? My Bible says it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Now, I want you to understand something. The world and even the church doesn't have a revelation of that this describes our God he is gracious merciful slow to anger abundant in loving kindness and one who relents from doing harm he's not carrying a big stick ready to swat you when you screw up remember the prodigal the father was there with open arms so whenever you screw up and you and I will screw up We will sin, but if he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, his arms are always open because he's a loving heavenly father. That's the kind of God I serve. You see this in in the scripture that it displeased Jonah. Look down at verse 11. This is God's reply. It says, And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? Now I want you to look at 2 Peter, because this wraps it up. I want you to see this. 2 Peter chapter 3. You know, if you don't have a Bible, you need to get a Bible. How do you know I'm preaching the Word? We want to give you the Scriptures. I just told you what your God is like. He's a great God, a wonderful God, a wonderful Heavenly Father. He loves you. The thoughts that He thinks towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future, a hope, and expected end. And this is our God. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is what? Long-suffering toward us, not willing that what? Any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
That's our God. He doesn't want anybody to perish. Newsflash, he doesn't want your enemy or my enemies to perish. Those that have offended you and offended me, he still loves them. Christ hung on a cross for you and me and them. Don't ever forget that. Because I'll tell you what, there are people out there (laughs) that are, you know, I've been a pastor how long? 30 years, maybe. And I'm very, very, very thankful I've got wonderful sheep. Obedient sheep. Giving sheep. Amen. But through the years, I've had some wolves and had some goats. And they've said things about me. They've said things about my wife. They said things about my kids. They said things about my church. And I've had plenty of opportunity to get offended. And you know what? I did. Sometimes I did. But I've learned through the years. The dogs keep barking. But the train keeps rolling along. So you can bark all you want. I'm still here. My good sheep are still here. Amen? But we've got to have that... Right heart's attitude always, and and recognize that. Now, many times we don't want to bless our enemies because we're afraid God might show them mercy and answer our blessing. <laughs> Think about that. I don't want to bless them. I don't. I don't want to bless them because you might bless them. And I don't want them really deep down. I don't want them blessed. You don't need to turn there. I'm almost done here. But I want to read you this scripture. In Luke chapter 6. Verse 35. It says, but love your enemies, do good and lend hoping for nothing in return. These are the words of Jesus Christ. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Does God love Obama? Think so? Yeah. Does he love some of those... Squirrely leaders in Congress? Yeah, he does. And sometimes we fail to remember that. Jesus says, love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Now listen, therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. That's a good scripture. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. What it comes down to is this, is that we have to trust God and believe if we're going to bless our enemies and do it, you know, sometimes we do it by faith. We don't feel anything, but we do it by faith. We've got to trust and believe God And his promise that he will reward us. That he will bless us because we do that. 
Amen. David said, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I want to close with this. And I, I don't know if I read this story to you, but it's, it is, is it a true, it's a true story the author gives. And I want to read it to you. It's not very long. And I want you to listen to it because it's, it's really quite a story. He says, the story, now this man's a pastor that wrote this book. He says, the story I'm about to tell you is true. It is an all too common story told to me by countless people. I mean, airplanes and coffee shops. It is such a common story these days that people share it in a matter of fact manner as if they'd grown used to it. The ending of this story is, however, anything but common. So now bear in mind, this story is true. Okay. Jim was a young executive living and working in the Chicago Loop, and he faithfully attended the church I pastored in the downtown area. I'd known Jim for about two years, and when he came to see me one day and shared several life issues that he could not seem to overcome. So this man was struggling. My first question to him was, Jim, tell me about the relationship you have with your father. Jim shared with me that when he was five years old, his father had deserted him and his four siblings never to return. No one had heard from him in 25 years. Jim's dad had made a few enemies with Chicago's crime family. His mother suspected that he'd been placed on their hit list and fled to preserve his life. Through several discussions of Jim's issues, we determined that much of the baggage he was carrying around had to do with the, same, with the shame and guilt of abandonment by his father and the resulting anger and pain that had been buried most of his life. I encouraged Jim to begin taking steps to locate his father and bring resolution to this painful ordeal. This proposal seemed unreasonable to Jim, and he was angry about the idea of forgiving his father for rejecting him. Can you see his pain? The stairway to the boarding platform of the Big Dipper was too steep. After several weeks of talking with me about the power of forgiveness and blessing those who curse you, Jim agreed to write his father a letter a letter of blessing, even though Jim's family had no idea where the father lived or even if he was alive, I told him that writing the letter would break the chains of the curse and bring freedom to his life. In the letter, Jim assured his father that his forgiveness was genuine, that he concluded the letter with a blessing. And when he was finished, he signed it, sealed it, and placed it in his desk drawer. What happened next is a wonderful example of the power of blessing your enemies. When Jim closed his desk drawer, he also closed the chapter to 25 years of family estrangement and unresolved issues. At that very moment, the phone on his desk rang, and when he put the receiver to his ear, he heard these words, Jim, this is your father. Over the previous several weeks, Jim's father had come to a place of longing to reconnect with his children. He was terminally ill and wanted to resolve things before he died. He had somehow located his eldest daughter's phone number, and she'd given him the telephone numbers of the rest of his children. He was living in another state and wanted to meet with his son. A few weeks later, I was invited to lunch with Jim and his dad in a downtown Chicago restaurant. This luncheon was their first meeting in 25 years, and there was understandably a little tension. At first, soon, however, we all came to realize that Jim's sense of humor was much like his father's, and I sat spellbound as the two of them shared about their lives. Talk about a wild ride on the dipper. This was for Jim the ride of his life, 
And I had the privilege of seeing Jim and his father go over the top together, hands up in the air, grinning all the way. Jim's father passed away within a few months. Through Jim's willingness to bless the one who abandoned and uncovered him, he opened the door to resolution and healing. By walking in forgiveness, you're finding sure footing on the ancient pathway of blessing. By blessing your offenders, you're choosing to set aside bitterness and hatred in order to receive the double portion blessing, a glorious life absent of relational pressures and filled with fruitfulness and completeness awaits you. I know that's kind of heavy stuff. But I'll tell you what, it's really important. Because if you and I are going to proceed and do kingdom business in the days ahead, we've got to make sure our hearts are right. You're awful quiet. Is it that bad? Or was it that true? You might not be a gym. Maybe no one left you. But I'll tell you what, there's always somebody in the family, outside the family, in the neighborhood at work, that you just soon walk the other way. Is it just me? What are you going to do? Thank you, sir. You're going to bless them. 